Yippee. <laughs> and you know what that means. New Year's resolutions. So I uh, consulted Google, the resident expert on everything. And I'm going to share with you the top 10 year-by-year resolutions. Okay? Lose weight. Don't worry. I'm not going to ask which ones of these you're, you're doing. Okay? Because you might be more than one. Get organized. Have monetary goals. Live life to the fullest. Stay fit and healthy. I got to get back here. Stay fit and healthy. This all look pretty good. Okay? Learn something new. Now, I don't know why this was six on the list because the statistics that they gave me with this indicate that this is the number one. 47% of people make this resolution every year. Quit smoking. Volunteer. De-stress. And I'm just going to let you know right now, I didn't give any thought to how number nine is affected by number ten. But somebody in the first service pointed this out. <laughs> Spend more time with the family. Now, I'm going to tell you, we had a wonderful holiday. Um, some of our children came. We hadn't seen for a long time, and it was great to have them there. Um, and I will tell you that it was not an increase in stress, amazingly enough. We have spent most of our married life, Sharon, and I, having stressful Christmases. I'm sure not, none of you have that, ever. But we did. Uh, this was not one of them, though. Okay? Well, I want to suggest that we consider making a different kind of resolution than any of the ones that were on this list. And that is to communicate better. To communicate better. Communication is a pretty important thing. Um, for example, <clears throat> the there are lots of chances for the listener and the communicator to be misunderstood in one way or the other. Honey, would you bring me that thing from the other room, please? Yeah, I see heads going like this. Yeah, no further explanation needed. What thing? What room? Who are you calling honey? According to uh, reference.com, there's five reasons that we communicate. There are five purposes for that. One is to inform. One is to imagine. One is to influence. One is to meet social expectations. And one is to communicate Emotions, express feelings. Um, in all of these things, there's a common uh, end. And that end is that change will happen. And we don't think about that because we don't, when we consider change, it's like going from this to this. But change sometimes happens very subtly, right? And, and if we do these things, if we're sharing ideas, providing information, positions, clarification, emotions, we're hoping that that'll result in some change. Maybe someone will understand us better. Maybe our relationship will improve. Maybe we'll have more empathy for someone else. All of those things are changes that we know. Maybe we'll actually convince someone 
to consider a viewpoint different from their own. That could happen. So today we're communicating for a change. That's the title of today's message. Now all of us have placed, have been around when this happens. If you have communication, you automatically have miscommunication. And sometimes we mishear things. We, we think we know what we heard, but, but we really don't get it. Now, I mentioned that our children came up for Christmas. Our son Jonathan and his wife Laura have two foster children, and they left their home in Nashville, Tennessee, on Christmas afternoon and planned to arrive in Knox sometime, I think, around 2.30-ish in the morning. About 2 o'clock in the morning, I got a phone call. Jonathan was on the other end, and he said, I've slid into a guardrail. I don't think I can drive the car. Well, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to need you to come and get us. No problem. I'll be right out. Tell me where you're at. Now, he's, he, he had this misfortune at the 14-mile marker on I-80 heading east. That is one mile before the Mercer exit and an area of the interstate that I have come to understand it is called the Bermuda Triangle. My brother-in-law is a truck driver and he says between mile marker 9 and mile marker 15 is in, an inordinate number of accidents when the road conditions are not good. So Jonathan didn't feel too bad when he heard that. His Uncle Shane had decreed that he had fallen victim to the Bermuda Triangle. But at the end of our conversation, he said to me, uh, he said, okay, I'll be careful coming. I'm going to call AAA. And from the back seat, one of the children said, what's Chick-fil-A going to do for us now? <laughs> I mean, they all laughed in the car. <laughs> but that's an example of mishearing. He said AAA, she thought he said Chick-fil-A. <laughs> okay? Sometimes we misspeak. Sometimes we misspeak. It's kind of like this. I know that you believe you understand what you think I said. But I'm not sure you realize that what you heard was not what I meant. Figure that one out. Or how about this? How about misunderstanding? This happens a lot today. You know why it does? Do you remember a time when telephones were actually used to speak to one another? Now, they are devices that put your thumbs into action like this. Because we're texting. We're... Uh, Instagramming or Marco Poloing or I don't even know what all. Some of us actually still use email. You know, but when you write something, you can't be sure that what you mean is what the person is going to receive. They can't hear the tone in your voice. They can't see your expression. They don't know what your body language is like. They don't know how enthusiastic you are, whether you're speaking softly and tenderly or whether you're shouting. There's no way to, they're reading words. They're reading words. Have you ever said, well, oh, I didn't mean it that way? Has that ever happened to you? Sure. It's happened to all of us. 
And I think reading messages makes that more often. Makes that happen more often. How about this? Emphasis. You know, you can change the meaning of something by just changing the emphasis of one word. I'm going to give you an example. Here is a nursery rhyme I'm sure you all know. First line, five words. Emphasize Mary. Mary had a little lamb. This means the lamb did not belong to Thomas. <laughs> Change it up a little bit. Mary had a little lamb. This means she had it once, but she no longer has it. Mary had a little lamb. She has only one, and it's not the little lamb. Mary had a little lamb. The lamb was not big. <laughs> Mary had a little lamb. It was a lamb and not an ostrich. <laughs> Just change the emphasis. You can change lots of things that way. Communicating for a change. That's the title of today's message. You could change the emphasis here. You look at that and say, I wonder where the emphasis is. Are we going to be emphasizing communicating? Or are we going to emphasize change? Okay? Well, I'm going to tell you, the answer to that is, Yes. Okay, we're going to be doing both. Uh, the Bible gives us some, in, some information about communicating. In the Great Commission, we're told to go, make disciples, baptize people all over the world. Matthew chapter 28, verse 20. But Paul writes some directions for us here in Romans 10, 13 and 14. And this is important for us all to know. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Aren't you glad for that? How then, and this is the communicating verse, how then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? So preaching is the form of communicating upon which all of this depends. It's what we, anybody who is a believer, is commissioned to do. That's not the only goal, though. Look at Ephesians 4.3. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. The unity of the Spirit is a goal. It's, it's bringing people to a position of like-mindedness about God and about our relationship to Him. Now, common sense tells us there can't be any unity if we don't all have the Spirit. The Scripture is pretty specific about that, isn't it? It says, for those who... Uh, the, the gospel is foolishness to those who are perishing. Okay? Translated, that means... If you're, if you're not connected to God through Christ, you can't understand what it is that we do. You can't understand why we worship. You can't understand why, why we give, why we serve. That's 
that's just gobbledygook to you. So if we want to have unity in the spirit, we've got to bring more people into the kingdom. But it doesn't just stop there. The scriptures also say that in our brokenness, we're not going to all see things or hear things or understand things the same way. And those differences, even among believers, are why we have different, different denominations, different belief systems, different theologies, differences all over the place. Nonetheless, it's our hope that by communicating clearly that unity that Paul talks about can develop. This can happen as we seek to communicate in ways that are transparent and authentic. The goal of unity in the Spirit is one that Paul talks about even a little further down in this same chapter. Let's take a look. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. See that phrase right there? Unity in the faith. And then Paul goes on to talk about what that looks like. And it looks like maturity. Isn't that what we talked about last week? That, that, our, that the verse in Romans 8, 28, for all things work together for good to those who are called according to his purpose, that his purpose was to make us like his son. To make us like his son. That's what that says. So, our first point is, we want to communicate to keep unity of the Spirit. Uh, let me back up. Reaching unity in the Spirit comes from the knowledge of the Son of God and results in spiritual maturing as we become more like Christ. That maturing process, called sanctification, is what grounds us and keeps us from being wishy-washy in our faith. It's the process of living with a renewed mind and a new way of thinking and enables us to stand against the deceitful scheming of the enemy. We're not to be wishy-washy. Look what it says here in the next very, very next verse. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves, blown here and there and by every wind of teaching, and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Was this a tenet that was really important? You bet it was. James talks about it. He says, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. Now here it comes. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt. If you're doubting, that's wishy-washy. Because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed about by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. God wants us to become like his son. He wants us to be mature in the faith. And we do that by learning about him. We do that by learning about him. So we want to keep communicate to keep the unity of the Spirit, and communicate wisely. 
Because wisdom comes with maturity. Wisdom comes with that. If we're not stable in what we believe, we cut ourselves off from that source of wisdom. And that, sh- that should give credence to anything we want to say that will be helpful to someone else, either in a spiritual or a practical sense. So how do we do that? Given that, that there's miscommunication, what steps can we take to guard against it or, or minimize the chance of it happening? Well, the first step is in the next verse. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. Our speech must be truthful and delivered in love. I don't know about you, but I've had people start conversations with me with these phrases. Tell me what you think. If Some of you may have had them too. Now, don't take this wrong. I see some heads there. Or, I'm only telling you this for your own good. Or, I want you to receive what I'm about to say in love. Because I mean it that way. Or, my favorite one, God told me to tell you You know, when those sentences start like that, I just take a step back inside. I get my, I'm tense, I'm defensive. That's not speaking the truth in love. You know, if you're speaking the truth in love, you don't have to announce that. (laughs) I am speaking the truth in love. You don't have to announce it. You just need to do it. You just need to do it. If If the person that you're speaking trust you then they're going to receive that right the content might might be hard to hear but if you trust the one who's speaking to you and sense that they're doing it in love you have a chance to benefit from processing whatever it is that they're saying you don't need to wave a big i'm speaking the truth in love banner just do it and the truth is the product of knowing God and the love is the product of asking, of acting on that. So, communicate to keep the unity of the Spirit, communicate wisely, and communicate the truth with love. Now, there's no guarantee in any of these cases that the best outcome is going to happen. But that doesn't mean that we should just be quiet because I don't want to say anything and mess somebody up. If God is leading you to say something, we have to speak. And it's his leading that we have to seek ahead of the conversation when we can. Sometimes conversations just happen. They're spontaneous. But sometimes we know we want to talk with someone about something that might be uncomfortable. And then it behooves us to go to God in prayer and to listen and to ask for the guidance of the Holy Spirit. The invoking of the Spirit and the humble request for guidance must go before any conversation that is difficult or weighty. And should we not do that and power forward on our own, I'll tell him or her, we inadvertently invite the author of conflict and discord to come in and damage that relationship. 
Here's how we know we can trust the Spirit. Matthew chapter 10, verse 19b. At that time, you will be given what to say. And in Mark chapter 13, verse 11b. You know when there's a B at the end of the reference, that means it's just the last half of the verse. Just say whatever is given to you at the time. For it's not you speaking, but the Holy Spirit. That's Who was saying this? Who do you think was saying this? Jesus. Jesus was saying it. And if he's saying that we can count on the Holy Spirit to know how to respond to each other or how to speak in situations, we got to believe that. Now, in both of these cases, he was talking about being arrested. I'm going to go out on a limb and guess that probably nobody in this room or online has been arrested in the last week. At least I hope not. And being arrested, I imagine, would certainly be very stressful. But you know what? This promise isn't just for those times. It's not just for those times. Listening for the Spirit begins when we change our thinking patterns. And, and we're, we're wanting that. We're wanting that. Paul spoke again and reminds us that we have a new life in Christ that begins by faith through repentance from our former ways and is carried on by this renewal of the way we think. We want to communicate to keep unity. We want to communicate wisely. We want to communicate in truth and love. And we want to communicate as the Spirit guides us. As the Spirit guides us. Ephesians, a little farther down in this same fourth chapter. You were taught, with regard to your former way of life, to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self, created to be like God, in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor. For all members of one body. There we go. Made new in our minds. And there is that truth element once again. This new mindset leads us to speak in truth. We have a new self which is created in us to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. That is being conformed to his image. Having an attitude that desires to shine his love into the world around us. Builds the kingdom of God and positions us as peacemakers in a world of strife and conflict. Communicate to keep the unity of the spirit. Communicate wisely. Communicate with truth and love. Communicate as the spirit guides and communicate with a renewed mind. Peter gives us some additional instruction about communicating that's worth remembering. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. Gentleness and respect. I will tell you, 
I have not always spoken in gentleness. It's hard to do, especially when the person on the other end of the conversation is driving the temperature of the interaction up and up and up. For whatever reason, whether they're just not getting what you're saying or they just refuse to even entertain the fact that you might have something worth considering. Gentleness and respect. Seek a unity. Communicate wisely. Communicate the truth with love. Communicate as the Spirit guides. Communicate with renewed mind, with gentleness and respect. Jesus promises us that supernatural ability. Now, depending on, on this divine intervention does not absolve us from knowing what God's Word says. We cannot just go through life and expect that whenever we need something to say, that God will download into us what we should speak. He can do that. And there are occasions where He does. But I like to think of it this way. If you take the lid off a cookie jar, and you reach your hand in there, what are you expecting? You're expecting to come out with a cookie, right? But if there are no cookies in that cookie jar, then you are not coming out with a cookie. Now, think about that illustration and apply it to God's Word. If you know God's Word, if you know what's in the pages of that book, if you've read and thought about it and maybe even applied it, then you're filling your mind with that. You're hiding that word in your heart. Doesn't the psalmist say, Thy word I have hidden in my heart that what? I might not sin against thee. And when that stuff is in there, then the Holy Spirit just takes the lid off that jar and can pull, pull out a verse that you need right at the right time. Or, or lead you to say some truth in principle that you never even thought of. Our earnestness in communicating the hope that we have in Christ will not be well received either if our attitude is wrong. If we are Haughty, like a lawyer in a courtroom who believes that he's going to be Perry Mason and win the case at any cost. But if we, res if we speak respectfully and gently and let the love of Christ be at the center of our motivation, then God himself can soften the heart of the one to whom we speak, even in the most heated of discussions. Psalm 15, 1. A soft answer turns away wrath. Have any of you ever experienced that? I will tell you I have. I didn't even know that verse at, the t at that time. But early in my career, uh, the AV guy came storming into the kindergarten room where I was and looked at me and said, Did you take all of those tapes? And I said, I, I really don't know what you're talking about. 
Never raised my voice or anything like that. And it was just like a wave went over him. And he became a human again. And, and the kindergarten teacher, after he left, said to me, see, a soft answer turns away wrath. Why does that work? Because it's God's word and there is power in God's word. That's why communicating it's so important. There's power in it. There's a power in effective communication. Throughout history, leaders have inspired their people to action. They've communicated in a way that's motivated people to leave their homes, leave their families, take up arms. They've, they've motivated people to stand for justice against the wave of cultural norms that are powerful and popular. How do, why do people walk away from those things? Because somebody communicated a need. Somebody gave them a vision. Somebody showed them a picture where their involvement mattered. All of these attributes of good communication, Jesus had them all. And if we're being built up to be like him, we've got to be intentional in our study and intentional in developing our capacity to recognize the voice of the Spirit. Only then can we allow His truth and love to change the hearts and minds of others through what we say to them. So how about us? How are we doing with this? Is this a worthwhile resolution for us? What are our conversations like? Once we get past the superficial things like like the weather or the Steelers game, are, are we weighing our conversations to see if they'll help build God's kingdom? Are we confident that, that what we're saying is wise? Does our tone and inflection and, and earnestness reflect truth and, and love? Is the Holy Spirit involved in the conversations that we have because we ask Him to be? Are we relying on our own insight? Or has the Spirit called to mind something we wouldn't have re even thought of saying? Is our tone gentle or harsh? Are we demonstrating respect through the words that we're using? God has left to us the building of His kingdom the making of disciples, the encouragement of each other, and the spurring on to good works. Will we invite others to join us in this? Will we cheer on those who have made a difference in our lives and seek to do the same for others? Can we defend our faith from a mind that's been renewed and that holds in it the depth and power of the Word of God? Certainly things to think about. Let me invite you to just close your eyes right now for a moment. And I want you to ask God to help you think of one person. One person. That you believe the Father wants you to engage in conversation this week.
if anything that I've said this morning has made any sense, please join me in, in praying for that conversation and for other conversations you might be led to have. Fellas, if you want to come back up here, and ladies. Dear Father, we stand before you this morning at the beginning of a new year with a desire to be better communicators. Not just to do a better job in sharing your love clearly, but to be ready in every case to speak up for you. Draw us, we pray, through your spirit toward a desire to know you better so that we can hear your voice. Teach us your word so that from our study of it we can stockpile the treasures of your wisdom and share them as the spirit brings them to our minds. And most importantly, Remove from us all traces of arrogance and haughtiness that we may speak your truth humbly and in love. For we do not seek to exalt ourselves by demonstrating what we know, but to be used by you as you open the eyes of faith in others. And we ask all of this in the matchless name of your Son. Amen. We're going to be having uh, communion. I hope all of you picked up elements back there. And I want to read to you from 1 Corinthians, the 11th chapter. And I'll be reading this out of the message translation, which is a, in a little more common language than uh, what we sometimes read. All of the scriptures that I shared this morning in the message were from the New International Version. This is from the message. Please listen. Let me go over with you again exactly what goes on in the Lord's Supper and why it's so centrally important. I received my instructions from the Master himself and passed them on to you. The Master, Jesus, on the night of his betrayal, took bread and having given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body broken for you. Do this to remember me. And after supper, he did the same thing with the cup. This cup is my blood, my new covenant with you. Each time you drink this cup, remember me. What you must solemnly realize is that every time you eat this bread and every time you drink this cup. You reenact in your words and actions the death of the Master. You will be drawn back to this meal again and again until the Master returns. You must never let familiarity breed contempt. Let's take some time for a moment and just reflect on what I just read. And consider our standing before God as we sing this song.